Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. ancient Greece and Rome, and they invite you to celebrate with them. Welcome to Voice of Olympus. Greetings and welcome to Voice of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and today we'll be focusing on mythic living, beginning with mythic fitness. And as our regular guests, we have Michael Del Russi of Bold Spirits Holistic Concepts. Greetings and welcome, Michael. How are you? Great to be with you, Hercules. Great to be with you. Uh, same here. And uh, I must say I'm very impressed with uh, the Creative uh, Health Manual. Um, I've read through it a couple oh, thank of times. You so much. I've been uh, practicing uh, some of the uh, concepts and precepts that you have inside uh, the book to great uh, effect. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing you expand it someday. Well, we intend to do that in terms of target nutrition and uh, specialty supplements that can deal with some of the more serious chronic uh, diseases that are facing our society. Uh, here at Bold Spiritualistics, we believe it is our bicameral destiny to apply the wisdom of the hemispheres in both creative and logical ways in discovering new modalities in healing, life extension, and day-to-day living. Uh, I firmly believe that the word gospel means good news, and we yes. feel Jesus came to offer the good news of being whole, seeking the joy of uh, thinking with holistic mind, and that is our divine destiny. So, you know, we're here to research, we're here to create, we're here to discover. And I also believe we're here to uh, discover the natural medicines that the earth has offered us. And I must say, on the outset, I'm very excited 
uh, to say the least, with some of the pages you have created. And again, the channels for information. Uh, this past week, I've been so excited just looking at some of the peplum pages and the, uh, you're, you're updating us in terms of your own research. Uh, what have you discovered uh, recently as you continue your journey? Well, uh, what happened uh, was two things. One is uh, uh, I am the champion of uh, the Tenafly Mayor's uh, wellness campaign, and uh, Tenafly mm-hmm. is one of the healthiest places to live in uh, New Jersey. Um, Didn't and, know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a healthy town. I think that it was the official uh, term. We have a sign in the middle of town. Uh, so uh, what the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign uh, does is uh, it encourages uh, people, organizations, and businesses to mm-hmm. focus on the well-being of the community. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I wish I could do more than what I'm uh, doing there, but I'm doing uh, all that I can. And part of the promise that I made uh, this year uh, to uh, um, this uh, particular uh, responsibility is that I would share my uh, journey uh, more openly, my personal journey, and also mm-hmm. uh, make it possible uh, for people to share their uh, journey. So uh, part of it led to an increase in uh, wellness programming on the podcast, and another part was starting to share uh, on Facebook uh, initially on my timeline, and then I moved into separate groups. And like yourself, mm-hmm. I'm very motivated uh, and fueled by and inspired by the peplum genre. So, of course, that's a very big uh, part of it, because for me, that that's uh, that keeps me on track. It shows me what it is that I'm aiming for. It reminds me why I'm aiming for it, and it motivates me to uh, not let go. <laughs> well, absolutely. And it is exciting. You know, it's the mythic ideal, if you will. It's yeah. what we were introduced to when we were young and we were so enamored with the uh, mythologies and the great heroes of Greece, first and foremost, and then Rome. And as we know, Rome uh, took much of the uh, uh, premise and imagery of the gods from Greece. And yeah. uh, so not to denigrate the Romans at all, but uh, the Greeks were, uh, you know, they were the first, if you will, to reach out, to reach out for something more, to acknowledge that there's a greater ideal physically and spiritually. And uh, much of the civilized world owes its its debt of gratitude in terms of the wisdom of the hemispheres to the Greeks. So uh, having said that, you know, our, our foundation in nutrition is balance. And, you know, each nutrient has a specific function, uh, several mm-hmm. may, be, may be needed for a specific function, and one may affect how the other other one works in terms of the body. Uh, some examples of that is vitamin A cannot be absorbed by the body unless vitamin D is present. Uh, a sudden increase in phosphorus can make calcium ineffective in, term, ineffective in terms of fulfilling the body's needs. Uh, high amounts of one B vitamin can offset the effectiveness of the others. So, you know, the question is, some may ask, how does that affect supplementation? And, of course, many who are veterans in a holistic field agree that as long as we provide some kind of firm foundation in terms of all of the nutrients uh, supplement-wise, and by that I mean uh, besides diet, uh, a good, powerful multivitamin, a good, powerful B-complex supplement, then we, co- on, we can go on 
to utilizing target nutrients for specific disease conditions. And I think that is our destiny, to find these creative ways of using healthy nutritional extracts to fight these diseases. We know that 40%, perhaps a little over that, of our drugs uh, are synthesized by through natural means, but with natural means, if you will. So we know that for a fact, and uh, nature has offered us so many uh, avenues of creativity in terms of preventing and combating some some of these diseases. Uh, Dr. Linus Pauling he termed he coined the term orthomolecular orthomolecular medicine, and that's a form of alternative medicine that aims to maintain human health through nutritional supplementation. And boy, how that field has grown uh, since his passing, because we know now that uh, even conventional uh, physicians, if you will, cardiologists as an example, when they prescribe a statin drug now to lower cholesterol, they also, at least in most cases, recommend CoQ10, which strengthens the heart and keeps the heart strong because we know that statin drugs can drain the heart muscle of CoQ10. 20 years ago, that would have been unheard of. That would have been unheard of in cardiology. Very few, if any, cardiologists were, were, were aware of that knowledge. And now, they're, not only are they aware of it, but they're sharing it with their patients and the public. So that's how far we've come, and uh, there's so much farther to go. Uh, oh, indeed. So it's exciting. It's exciting. It, it is very exciting. And uh, uh, the thing is, is uh, there are no... Uh, real answers. Uh, so you're still, uh, um, you know, basically it's a journey for each uh, particular person and what works well for one person may not work uh, for another person. And uh, I'll give a couple of examples for my uh, particular journey. Um, I first uh, got diabetes uh, when I was trying to uh, implement pre-steroid uh, uh, diets uh, because I wanted to get mm-hmm. big, but I didn't to take steroids, uh, and uh, at that time we lived in Pennsylvania, and slowly I built a gym in our basement uh, that had two benches, it had a leg press machine, it had you know all sorts of stuff in it. Uh, so I was working out, and uh, um, I wanted to eat uh, um, something that would help me, you know, become huge. So uh, mm-hmm. I read the uh, diets and practices of uh, old-time uh, bodybuilders, and mm-hmm. one that I kept coming back to was drinking a gallon of milk a day and eating like six oranges. Uh, Those things kept popping up. So I figured, all right, I'll do that. I was lactose intolerant. So it took me over a year to be able to work up to drinking a gallon of milk a day, you know, um, and full milk, not skim milk or uh, um, a percentage of fat milk, but full milk. Uh, And I was able to do that and eat six oranges and for a while, it worked phenomenally. I got, like, really huge and strong uh, until that no longer lasted. And all of a sudden, I started losing all the muscle, and I started falling downstairs. <laughs> so it was pretty bad. And that's when I first got diagnosed with diabetes. And looking back, forcing all that sugar uh, into my system all the time, you know, pushed my uh, system into uh, uh, imbalance and led to the diabetes. Um, right. And, then uh, the prevailing wisdom, you know, more modern wisdom, was to eat every couple of hours. And this way you could regulate mm-hmm. the amount of 
protein that you're digesting and all sorts of things. And that, that was what people believed uh, uh, during the time that I was trying to fix this uh, situation. And for a while that worked, but over the long run, it turns out that that gave my pancreas no rest. So right. uh, it, just, it just created a, a situation where um, there was, again, there was a insulin resistance. Uh, so now I'm intermittent fasting to try to correct that condition. So it's a constant journey. And diabetes is very uh, treacherous and exacting and unforgiving. Uh, and it is. And, uh, I, have, I have a personal friend who uh, I live with. Uh, we're friends 25 years. And I have watched her battle diabetes for most of the 25 years. Uh, wow. She's type 2, uh, has been type 2. And uh, she's presently in the hospital as we speak. She had a major stroke on Sunday. This is her fifth, I believe. And wow. she's a wonderful, wonderful human being, a very kind-hearted human being. Uh, can't say enough about her. Uh, but she, I have watched her battle. In fact, unfortunately, she even has a condition called Charcot foot, which not every diabetic has. But what happens in that case is the bones in the feet actually liquefy for wanting of a better term so you name it she has it and uh so we've been fighting in fact this year she she fought me at first with it but i recommended to her that she try nitric oxide by that being a beet juice to enhance her circulation and kind of uh, combat some of the uh cardiovascular problems that came along with it she also has a severe vision loss well, after a year of uh, struggling with her, she finally did agree, and she's been using the beet juice twice a day. And lo and behold, uh, some of her vision, as far as clarity and the brightness of colors, has begun to return. And she was amazed herself because she had laser therapy, was sealed off most Ooh. of the microcirculation. I said to her, well, you know, what have you got to lose? So far, right. all the research, nitric oxide is very positive. What have you got to lose? Try it. Well, she did, and she did experience some positive uh, results. But the diet you're talking about, I completely understand that. Heavy cream uh, and fruit diet, which was uh, very popular with the uh, Golden Age um, bodybuilders back in the 60s, and they all grew on that, and they did grow. Unfortunately, you know, later on, we've come to find that may not be the healthiest way to go. Right. So while it may have been a great diet for size, to putting on size, it may not have been so healthy in terms of our endocrine system. Right. My calves and my arms were monstrous <laughs> at the time. I could imagine. <laughs> but, 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 but again, I, I just basically started falling downstairs. I started having balance problems, and uh, that's how it started. Uh, and eventually the muscle became lost and I was weak as a rail. I was like really thin for a while and I, I was using a, a walking stick to get around. So, uh, oh my. Uh, yeah, so, so I, I got great respect for <laughs> what happened to me and I endeavored to uh, learn from it. Right. Well, you know, it, and, and we know that diabetes is rampant in this country. Unfortunately, yeah. Some some who are promoting, and I am I have been in ongoing debate with a physician who I used to be a big fan of. He has a center in New York. He used to have a program on WR Radio. Of course, I won't mention his name. We have been okay. I probably is number one foe 
at this point. He has become obsessed with uh, a, a diet that that is dominant in meat and fat, and he jumps on every little study that may support him that he's uh, claiming now that even saturated fat is quote unquote not harmful. Uh, I've come back with him. I come back at him with the studies of over 40 years. Uh, including the study by the American Heart Association and American Cancer Society, which has proven conclusively, study after study, that diets high in saturated fat and meat consumption can lead to cardiovascular disease. And I've seen it myself in the counseling I've done over the years and certain types of cancer. Uh, but he is obsessed with promoting this diet. And I hear my position is by all means, we follow our own personal creative path. So as a vegan, I've been a vegan of, I guess, 45 years now. I don't, uh-huh. uh, imp- I don't impose that diet on anyone. I say if you want to have a steak three times a week, by all means. But be aware that in spite of what some physicians lately are claiming, the studies over 40 years, and, and the, this includes Dr. Dean Ornish, by the way, whose new book is incredible, have shown that a diet very low in fat, especially saturated fat, can actually be reverse in some cases plaque buildup in the arteries, which many uh, before this felt was virtually impossible. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, it's and I feel very strongly that doctors are promoting this new fad diet, and that's in my opinion, that's what it is of high meat, high fat, and making sugar the culprit. For everything, are it's it's a recipe for disaster because even in diabetes, well, most many studies have shown that saturated fat also enhances the the potential for type two diabetes. So to make one or the other the total culprit for every chronic disease we're facing is absurd. But unfortunately, and it started with Atkins, this whole society every time you turn around. Carbohydrates are bad, guilty for everything. And I, if I sound outraged, it's because it's an, it's an unbelievable insult to the intelligence. Because diet after diet, the three major diets that have been shown to reduce plaque in the arteries is Dr. Dean Ornish's diet, the DASH diet, and the uh, uh, Mediterranean diet. They're all pretty much along the same lines with varying degrees of differences. Some allow a little more, more meat consumption than others. Some allow a little more nut consumption than others. But pretty much all three have one thing in common, very low in saturated fat. And all three diets have produced dramatic results. So I would say to all that are buying into this high-fat concept, please use your common sense. Please go back and look at the years and years and decades of studies to show otherwise. And look at what the healthiest nations in the world are eating. It frightens me. As somebody who's been in this field a long time and counseled with uh, countless individuals, it frightens me. Yes, it sounds great. It may look great in, in the frying pan. But this is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that's the one I wrestle with, uh, too, because uh, when I was initially seeking to uh, treat my diabetes, that's when I found out about the ketogenic uh, diets uh, like mm-hmm. uh, Atkins and the caveman diet right. and uh, 
uh, you know, different names, the South Beach diet. There are all these diets that are basically um, high protein, high fat, and yeah. uh, low uh, carbohydrate. And I've seen them evolve over the years. And like, for instance, the latest uh, edition of Atkins that I picked up, uh, they're advocating to, to eat lots of uh, green, uh, you know, non-starchy, non-sweet uh, carbohydrates. And, you know, there's an, a lot there. Even in the earlier versions, uh, you had to eat like two or three cups of salad a day and uh, um, like mm-hmm. a cup or two of uh, vegetables. So, you know, they, they were never as anti-carb uh, as uh, many people uh, uh, thought. But I got really good results on that uh, diet in lowering my fat levels and lowering my uh, mm-hmm. sugar. And mm-hmm. uh, um, like, uh, for instance, now I'm not including as much uh, saturated fat as I did uh, the last time I uh, like went on it. But it did control my uh, numbers, my fats, my mm-hmm. you know my profile of my lipids was greatly uh, improved and my numbers shot down, you know, in a few months, I was able to control my diabetes and uh, wean myself off uh, metformin. So uh, you you were on metformin. Yes. uh, They put me back on metformin uh, now uh, as well. And I've studied Mm -hmm. the effects of metformin. So I know I don't want to be on metformin, you know, for, uh, for more than a short period of time until I could stabilize my uh, blood sugar again. Right. Have you noticed any uh, results or is it too soon to pose this question to you in terms of some of the sugar lowering supplements that we've been discussing? After 10 days and right now I'm I'm basically on a ketogenic diet, however, with a phenomenal amount of uh, um, non-starchy, non-sweet, you know, vegetables. I I do eat uh, fruit, but not that much. Like today I had six Mm -hmm. cherries. That was my fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with nuts, I have like maybe an eighth of a cup, uh, you know, like every few days. I mix it in with my uh, protein shake. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, um, right now I started the uh, intermittent fasting to give my pancreas a rest. And uh, if that works for me, I'm going to go on uh, like doing fasting for a day uh, every week mm-hmm. or two. Uh, and again, that's just to get my pancreas uh, a rest. And I've managed to drop my uh, sugar numbers by over 100 points uh, during that 10 days. That's remarkable. That's excellent. Well, again, uh, your journey is, and as you continue to research the many avenues that uh, these diets provide for us, your, your, you know, your spirit is guiding you in the right direction. But that's where I'm currently because – the advocates for the uh, more vegan type of diet and the advocates for the more uh, uh, meat type of diet. Uh, right now, it, it, that is a polarized discussion, much like our politics is polarized. And it certainly uh, is. It's probably is as hot a topic as anything you can find in politics. And there's some people in Hello? the middle. Like, can you hear me? Uh, I can hear now. You were breaking up for a minute. Oh, sorry about that. Um, so okay. it, it's a polarizing type of uh, thing. And again, I, I, I've I made uh, poor choices based on good information before. Uh, so right. uh, I'm not totally convinced that my uh, choices are, you know, like the, the most correct ones. But based on what I'm learning and what seems to be working for me, 
uh, I, I stick with those type of uh, things. Like, for instance, yogurt. You have yogurt in your book, and you highly recommend it. And I love yogurt, and I'm Greek. And uh, mm-hmm. when I ate uh, yogurt, I ate the Greek yogurt. Uh, but I started right. getting the same, same type of reactions uh, on my tongue uh, that mm-hmm. I get when I would eat something sweet before. So something mm-hmm. in the yogurt, something in the dairy, um, you know, bothered me. So I, I couldn't eat uh uh, that anymore. Uh, peanut butter, which I used to love, um, all yes. of a sudden that started making my tongue uh, uh, have that strange uh, uh, taste. So now mm-hmm. I moved to almond butter and sesame butter, which so far seem to be okay. I don't have too much of that. You know, I just have like maybe like a, a teaspoon a couple of times a week, uh, just for variety, right. like hummus and uh, and things like that. Uh, every now and then, just for, for some uh, variety. Um, but what I'm doing now is I'm less uh, uh, focused on the meat and the fat. So I don't eat bacon or sausages or you know things like that, which where you're allowed to uh, on some of these diets. Yeah, well, the processed meats are probably best avoided for overall yeah. good health. I mean, we know that there's, a, again, there's a risk of uh, chronic inflammation in the arteries uh, there's also a risk of certain ki- kinds of cancer with processed meats. So, yes, by all means, if we can't avoid them, we're certainly better off. The thing is, and as I've mentioned in one of my comments earlier this week, it isn't a matter of this or that. I mean, we know that white sugar is detrimental to our health. So it's not a matter of, well, sugar, you know, carbs are the main culprit in terms of chronic disease. Fat is the main culprit. It's not really, in my opinion... Uh, that's not what it, this, it's all. The argument is all about. Both are bad. Right. Both are bad. I mean, white sugar in, is bad when used in even in moderation. Even we should use it in a very low amounts. Saturated fat studies have shown is bad. Cardiovascular wise, in terms of uh, uh, again certain malignant growths. Saturated fat is bad. So the fact of the matter is there shouldn't be that much of an argument. I feel both are detrimental. So, you know, that's where, again, but as you and I have talked so often about bicameral mind, that's where using logical mind and creative mind helps us to arrive at the right decisions for our own personal diet. And when you apply logical mind to our creative thinking, to me, to me, my personal opinion is you discover that both are bad, very simple. So as you pointed out just a moment ago, there really shouldn't be two camps. <laughs> no, yeah, no. There really shouldn't be two camps because, yes, both are detrimental when used in excess. But nevertheless, you have the they're fighting tooth and nail, and it's, uh, it's amusing in some ways, but it's also scary in others. Oh, yes, it is, just like with the politics. And I'm not involved in any uh, big capacity at this particular point in time, but, you know, locally in the politics. And uh, I'm an elected Mm -hmm. uh, member of the uh, Democratic County uh, Committee. Um, Mm -hmm. The focus should be on how can we govern best for the benefit of everybody in our community. Uh, that should be the focus, regardless whether you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, you're an independent, uh, instead of these, you know, ideological and, you know, ultimately irrelevant for our community uh, fights, you, you know, that uh, go on. Even it is, it is irrelevant. And, yeah, and uh, bo- irrelevant, bordering on the ridiculous, but uh, what it's become very violent in some ways. 
yeah. much like the, the diet uh, debate that we're, yeah. we've been experiencing really since the 80s. Uh, you know, and it's, it's something to be concerned about. I've been a Democrat for all my life, and I'm 67 now. However, <laughs> and I've also been involved in the labor movement since I was 18. Uh, you oh, know, really? I really believed in the labor movement. I still do. But my opinion is, quite frankly, the Democratic Party has made the same promises for decades, including the year we're in now, affordable housing, livable wages, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, the meta, uh, 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 applicable medical care for everyone, we're going to do it. But, you know, for, and yes, they've, they've re, uh, faced pushback, no question about that. But overall, I feel like overall, if you look at the last five decades, my party's pretty much let us down. And as Charles, Charles Oakley, Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley has said, and uh, just for a minute, uh, in terms of political arena, both uh, oh. the, uh, 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 the black community and the poor white community has been let down in many ways by both parties. And I kind of go along with him on that. So, right. you know, I, I do have a certain degree of disappointment with my own party. And I, the Republicans, I've always pretty much had an issue because not everything should be subject to the free enterprise system. So, again, it's about unity, unity in consciousness, unity in mind, unity in terms of what you've described, doing what's right for the masses, doing what, what's right in terms of uh, 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 having a living, a decent, dignified existence in, uh, in an industrial society. Oh, you're, you're absolutely uh, correct. I have to invite you on one of our uh, political shows. And uh, uh, there, too, the polarization is, uh, is, is great. I've invited uh, Republicans on the show to come e express, you know, their view. So, that, you know, uh, I may not agree with what they tell me, but I want to understand, you know, where they stand and what they see and why they're saying the, the things that, uh, you know, they say. Um, and, exactly. Uh, one of the Republicans, uh, Chauncey Brown, uh, mm -hmm. He's been on the show a couple times, and uh, he's a uh, uh, conservative uh, Republican leaning toward the right, uh, and right. Uh, he sees things very differently than I do. But on the show, mm -hmm. even though we, we stand in different places ideologically and we have these strong opinions, mm -hmm. there's still a countless amount of things we do agree on and we do see eye to eye on. So if we could focus on those things and work together to make them happen, we could always sort the rest of it out <laughs> later on. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, the statement you just made, in my opinion, pretty much says it all. There is a balance there. And as much as I, at times, because of my own personal bias, because a lot of my beliefs very early on when I was a union leader in the 80s, I was accused of being a socialist. And I guess in some ways I may have been. I don't think that's a dirty word necessarily. But uh, uh -huh. I've come to see in, at this stage of my life, well, you know what? The Republicans do have certain points. In, ter as, in, in terms of as, uh, uh, constrictions and too many regulations on business. I can see clearer now than I did in the 80s how too many regulations on business can cost jobs. I think they do have a point there. And back in the 80s, uh, my position was, well, we need those regulations to protect the environment. We need those regulations to protect human health. And we do. But they do have a point. Corporations are booking during the 80s and the 90s, and this 
president, as much as everybody hates him, evidently, he did bring some manufacturing and businesses back to this country because they, they had faith in some of the things he was saying. And whether people want to admit it or not, whether they want to give him the credit or someone else, the, the latest statistics as of last week is that unemployment is at a 50-year low. And I would say this, that if this was any other candidate for president, that study, that fact alone would make him a shoo-in for re-election. However, because I hate this man with such, with such ferocity, uh, you know, he's still fighting uh, the mainstream media, if you will, virtually on every level. And by no means am I reaching out to claim he's an angel. You know, what I am, what does captivate me is the same aspect that captivates me when it comes to the whole country following the ketogenic diet. And what is that? It, it becomes a fad. Hating Donald Trump has become a fad. You haven't looked at some of the good things he's done, and he has done some good things. He's made some moves that I, as a, as a dedicated Democrat, back in the 80s, was supporting. So now I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, this guy's a Republican. But he's made some moves in terms of protecting our borders, in terms of isolationism, which I, I said back in the 80s, you know what? They ought to give this country a rest and close the borders for two years. Give this country a chance to rejuvenate. Now, I know that may be a little bit of a controversial remark, but back in the 80s, when my concern was the working families here and the working poor here that couldn't, couldn't even get any help, even under the Clinton administration, you know what? And that made sense to me, even when I was a supposed socialist. So what you just said about meeting in the middle, well, you know what? There is a place to meet in the middle. So I commend, I commend you for that comment, for that position. Well, thank you, and I commend you for your open uh, mind. Um, I'm not a fan of uh, our current uh, president administration, but I will admit, because I do understand uh, labor. I was in workforce development for decades, uh, mm -hmm. so, and I subscribe to the Department of uh, Labor's uh, um, newsletter in my emails, again, in my inbox, and uh, unless they're lying, the results uh, of certain things that they're doing look really uh, good. And uh, right. there are many things that are coming out through that department that, that are commendable and uh, needed. So um, I remind myself, uh, you know, and again, uh, I'm a Democrat. I lean you know, toward the left. I've been involved in workforce development and, uh, uh, mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, but, uh, again, I was an independent for much of my uh, life, mm -hmm. and uh, I became uh, a Democrat because uh, I saw the country polarizing, and the Democrats right. expressed more of what I believed than the uh, Republicans uh, mm -hmm. uh, verbally. And I figured that, you know, that lending my energies to bringing balance back, you know, would be best served if I uh, became a Democrat. But um, I still am at heart an independent. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting to me is, uh, again, uh, uh, during the Clinton administration, when Clinton himself supported the North American Free Trade Agreement, I was negotiating contract at the time, and most of my union brothers were opposed to that. We They felt... Uh, somewhere along the line that would steal even the uh, uh, minor jobs in terms of pay from Americans. 
Uh, and uh, so even though I was, again, very much diehard, again, borderline, borderlining on socialist at the time, uh, me and my union brothers, my union leaders, we were opposed to what President Clinton did. And Donald Trump voted us out of it. He got us out of it. The second thing I was opposed to, and my union brothers used to talk about this all the time, is the millions, billions of dollars we send in foreign aid to countries that really didn't, were not, not only not loyal to us, but didn't deserve it. Donald Trump has cut foreign aid to Pakistan, to the Palestinians, and some of these countries that were supposed to be our friends, but lo and behold, really aren't our friends. I have to applaud him for that. I think it took us some guts to do, because in 40 years, really no one has done it. No matter what our supposed uh, lukewarm friends do to us, we continue to funnel millions and billions. And like you, I've always felt and still do, we can provide a little bit better of a safety net to our citizens. I have a friend now who's on Medicare, Medicaid, and fighting for her life in the hospital. I saw how they wanted to take her Medicaid from, from her, in spite of the fact, if, in my opinion, if anybody deserved it, she surely did. So I agree. Yes, we need to shore up our social safety net, if you will, for our citizens, and I believe we have the money to do it. But I have to applaud Donald Trump for cutting some of the billions that we're sending to our supposed friends when we could reinvest it here. And that's what needs to be done, in my opinion. So there I'm still, a, yes, a diehard Democrat in terms of those principles. But I have to give this present president some credit to have the guts to do what even my Democratic leaders evidently didn't do or didn't have the courage to do. And I look forward to the day when, again, we're, we're looking as uh, individuals uh, as to what the best and most effective way of uh, governing uh, is and providing mm -hmm. uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or the opportunity for those things uh, um, to uh, our uh, citizens. Um, well, as you my, said, I think regardless of political persuasion, it's finding that balance in right. thinking the key to enhance our social quality. And I think at the end of the day, the statement you made uh, it really says it all. But I think it's important for us to put our party bias aside in order to achieve that. And I find that a lot of people, it's very difficult for them to do that. Now, um, I've had uh, Ryan Foley. He's following uh, your show, and he's uh, in the uh, green room here. Um, mm -hmm. I invited him on our career show, um, mm -hmm. and he shared how he, you know, uh, became a author and a graphic novelist, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, he was very informative. Uh, since you were involved in the labor uh, movement for so long, and uh, part of that show is uh, hosted by a labor organization, the American Workforce Association, I'd love to have you on uh, as we develop the Bicameral Mind show. I'd like to have you on that one as well. So uh, I will be uh, inviting you. Uh, that, oh, that would uh, be I'm honored. Thank you. Now, how can people... Uh, tap into you and uh, access your world and order your wonderful uh, um, book and ascension sheet. Well, uh, the, um, uh, for if they'd like to order my creative health manual, uh, they can send $3 uh, check or money order to uh, uh, Michael Del Rossi, post office box 129, and that's in Caldwell, New Jersey. 
and the zip is 07006. And with that, they will receive my laminated uh, Wisdom of the Hemispheres bicameral chart, which explains the difference between uh, the fundamental difference between right brain and left brain, and how we can integrate those minds that were once in conflict to move our society forward in a better way, as you so appropriately de um, described. So it would be $3 check of money order to Michael Del Rossi, uh, Post Office Box 129, Caldwell, New Jersey. And I would love to send a copy of each out to uh, all individuals. That is uh, incredibly awesome. And thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our um, next conversation, especially since now we're you know getting uh, – um, into new uh, waters and uh, it's very good that uh, despite your strong stance you too have an open mind uh, so uh, discussing things uh, won't be argumentative it'll be just uh, uh, two people sharing their opinions and trying to get a bigger picture through the conversation absolutely I look forward to it and I thank you for the opportunity very much and I thank you for being such an awesome guest and a great friend uh, we're going to listen to sir. Freedom. Thank you, sir. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Uh, and we're going to listen to uh, Bone Poets Orchestra's Cry Freedom, and then we'll be back with Ryan Foley, graphic novelist and bodybuilder.
top of her Sings the mystery of the all-expanding universe Trust that brain behind your eyes To carve a space for us within the universal mind And if it's up to us to bring some balance back Let it not be said, it's courage that we Welcome back to Voice of Olympus. Today our focus is Mythic Living, and our next segment is Mythic Physique with uh, Ryan Foley of Fury and Strength. It seems Ryan fell off our board. Uh, We will wait for him to reconnect, and in the interim I will play another song. I'll play Evolve. Oh, there he is. Are you there? Ethan, welcome. How are you? I'm doing excellent, sir. How are you? I'm doing phenomenally well. Uh, um, the Blog Talk Radio had some problems, as you know, uh, not too long ago. They seem to have fixed all of the major problems uh, and only a few of the minor problems. So uh, figure Good. out what I think. I think it was a scenario whenever I went unmuted, I was I was ready to start talking, and then I got disconnected. So I, I wasn't certain if it was my phone or your end. But I'm I'm glad that I'm here with you now. Uh, the, the same uh, here, and uh, I'm really looking forward to learning from you uh, today. Um, I started a bunch of new uh, activities on uh, social media, predominantly uh, Facebook, to share uh, my particular uh, journey in diet and exercise and uh, confronting diabetes and getting older. Uh, so uh, um, I invited you and thank you for joining these groups and thank you for the feedback you've left. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those things I, I do wish that I had more time in, in order to go through uh, and, and be a contributor as, as opposed to just a lurker on there. And it's kind of one of those things uh, I certainly intend to do that. And I do plan on doing more. Uh, unfortunately, with my nine to five job, uh, October is, is a very busy time for us uh, as we're ramping up for our annual meetings. But uh, as, as soon as, uh, as I can get past that after this weekend, I'm, I'm hoping to, to dive into that a little bit more. Um, if you have the time, I know you have a very busy life, and I appreciate uh, your being on the show and all the contributions uh, you do make. 
Um, I started out as a fan of your graphic novels, and now I'm very honored that you're a friend. So um, thank you very much. Well, I'm happy to be here. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that I thought that uh, we would touch on uh, was a subject that uh, I was prepared to dive into uh, here a while back before we had the, the technical difficulties. And so one of the things that, uh, that I know you wanted to speak about uh, was how uh, going through and, and making positive changes in your life in order to improve things uh, yes. through, through your fitness. Is, is that something that we still wanted to cover tonight? That is definitely something that uh, I want to cover. Excellent. Okay, so uh, whenever uh, I was uh, preparing to be on, I was trying to, to figure out what, uh, what I would rather talk about. Uh, and, and so one of the things that we've covered here uh, for, for your older listeners uh, or for the, the listeners that have been with us for a while is one of the things that I was completely uh, taken aback to whenever I started this journey. I've been bodybuilding now. Uh, for roughly about five years, I've been I've been working since 2014. Uh, June of 2014 is when I officially decided to get started. And so, like so many people that are starting something brand new or something that you have very limited uh, knowledge in, so you go through and you start doing your studying and you start doing your research, and you're trying to figure out different ways that you can go through. And one, you're just trying to work your way through it and understand uh, all the, the basics of it. And then once mm -hmm. – I would say it probably takes anywhere between one to two years before you really start getting uh, what you would call your gym IQ up to a certain level. I think the, one of the, the biggest problems that we see when people go through and they decide they're going to start a program is they immediately go to uh, – now, and we've talked about how there's an abundance of websites out there. There's wonderful training routines and regiments that are out there which you can certainly study, but I think one of the biggest uh, the mistakes that people make is that they want to run before they can walk. And so they go right. through and, and they, pick, they pick out one of these uh, routines that are designed to improve professional bodybuilders. And so they're going through and they're attempting to do this when really they need to be crawling before they decide to go into a, into a dead sprint. And so uh, once you start to go through, and the way I would equate it is when you start to understand, if you look at one of those programs and they say, we want you to do this, I want you to understand why you need to do that. And when you can start to embrace that a little more, and you can kind of understand, then you're not just following a rule book that someone has laid down for you. Then you're able to treat it a little bit more uh, almost like a Chinese buffet, where you can go through and, and you can say, well, I like this, but I don't like this. Uh, and then you can kind of start to go through and cater a program that's specifically designed to meet your goals. And that's whatever those goals want to be. So we've talked here in the past, but I, it, it bears reiterating here. Uh, so that way everyone understands where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. So you go through and obviously there's the, the physical improvements that come from lifting weights, uh, resistance training, bodybuilding, really any sort of exercise program. Uh, and, and, yes, you're absolutely correct. Diabetes is, is, a, is a horrible uh, problem that that's, we're facing here in our nation. And then we've also talked about how, you know, um, as much as I hate to go dark, uh, but, you know, uh, suicides are at their highest rates. And then you, right. have, uh, you, know, drug, you have drug addiction. You have alcohol addiction. Uh, there, there's so many problems that we're facing nowadays. And, and then you just uh, – and I'm not saying that, that it's not just – uh, men aren't the only ones bodybuilding. Obviously, there's you know women are involved in fitness, and so I don't mean to exclude them in any any way, shape, or form. But when it comes to men, uh, we're told to man up. We're told to you know don't show emotion. 
uh, you know, don't be perceived as weak. Don't uh, don't don't ask for help because a a big, strong man doesn't need any help from anyone. Uh, And that's just not healthy. It's it's really not. Uh, So we have all these crippling problems that we're facing right now. And and sometimes it can feel like there's just there's there's literally no hope. But so whenever I went through and I started bodybuilding, it was primarily for the physical. Uh, I, I, I was dissatisfied with, uh, with my physical appearance. I didn't have the confidence that I wanted. And so then I went through and I started uh, putting things together. And I said, yeah, I, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to be healthy. And I've always said one of my key goals is I want to be able to walk my baby girl down the aisle on my original knees, you know, and preferably without wheezing, <laughs> you know, uh, now she's only 16. So I've got plenty of time, you know, this, this is a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. So I've still got plenty of time to, you know, to, to cut a sharp line in my tuxedo whenever that, whenever that day comes. But so I went through and so I wanted to improve physically and then by going through and studying and figuring and reading books and, and doing my research on the internet and, and studying, you know, why do this and why do that? So then you go through and now you're improving yourself mentally. And then we have right. discussed on here about how it, it improves your life emotionally as well. And this is kind of something that, that really knocked me back that I wish people understood more is how, and I know it seems uh, almost strange if you were to go through and, and talk about this without laying the groundwork for everything, about how lifting weights makes me feel better. It, uh, it gives me that endorphin rush. It gives me, uh, my brain is releasing all these happy chemicals whenever I'm, I'm going along. And so uh, as I decided to get really serious, that's when I saw that my life was beginning to change because I was going through and making these changes to maximize my workout. By going through and making these key strategic changes in your life, you find that what you're doing is you're laying a foundation to make sure that you don't get knocked off that pedestal. So whenever you go through and you decide, all right, I'm going to be a part of a program. One of the things whenever I first got started, I I used to work out after work. But then what I found is that while – uh, I, I function better whenever I work out in the morning, but in order to do that, that means my alarm goes off at 5:45. And I know a lot of people think that that's just way too early for them, or they can't do it. But now I've started to get adjusted to it, and there have been those days where, man, that alarm goes off, and it's it's tough to get up out of bed. Mm-hmm. So I go through and I started making adjustments in order to make it to where that 5:45 wasn't quite so hard. And so that meant going to bed at, at a decent hour. It meant, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to bed early, and, uh, and I know I've got to get up and go, so I'm not going to be scrolling through, you know, Reddit feeds and stuff like that. I, I need to go ahead and, and get to bed. It means that I have to go through and I have to have my, my meals prepared uh, so that way I can take them to work and so that way I'm not eating junk or I'm not, oh, I forgot to pack this, so I'm just going to run and go get a cheeseburger from McDonald's. Uh, you know, it's it's making sure that my food is purchased, you know, first of all. Then I've got to go through and make sure that it's, uh, you know, cooked and prepared and ready to go and, and put in Tupperware and all this sort of stuff. Um, by going through and, and switching up and making my workouts take place in the morning, there's zero chance, unless my car doesn't start whenever I go out early in the morning, uh, there's nothing that's going to knock me off my game. There's not going to be a stressful situation at work. You know, there's not going to be – 
uh, you know, there, there's not going to be where I'm just tired at the end of the workday where, you know, my brain's gone to sludge because I've been, you know, researching insurance policies too much. So by starting it off in the morning, I found that there's less of a chance for me, for something to come along and, and knock me off my game. So by doing that, now we've gone through and, and we've started to improve. It makes sure, as strange as this sounds, uh, you make sure that your laundry's done, you know, because, oh, mm-hmm. I, I need my gloves, I need those washed, and i got to make sure that I've got my bag packed and ready to go because 545 is pretty darn early. I don't want to think to myself, oh, no, wait a minute, did I forget to pack my underwear and my socks, you know, for whenever I go off to the office. Right. So, so by going through it and now I've got my bag packed, you know, uh, you know, that, that evening. So I make sure that I've got everything the way I need. I've got my supplements that I'm going to take. I've got those individually portioned out and they're ready to go. And then you go through and, and you start making these changes and you start, and then the, your brain starts calculating and you're like, well, you know, I could have that beer, but let's see. I mean, it's, you know, it's got this many calories in it. And I'm going to have to, you know, be on the treadmill for X amount of time just to work off that beer. Whereas if I say no to that beer, you know what, I'm, uh, then I'm going to be that much farther down the road. Cause I'm, I'm not, you can't outrun a bad diet. Uh, right. just unfortunately it's, it's one of the sad facts. So you go through and you start figuring out you, so you start making these smarter choices for yourself. And so, and by doing that, I think you see a dramatic amount of improvement just in your in your general life, and then I, I've always said that, you know, uh, working out that's the that's the easy part, or that that's the that's the hard part of my day. And so as a result, you know, uh, filing papers for the company that I work for, that's a breeze as opposed to doing deadlifts and and uh, you know and squats and Romanian deadlifts. <laughs> that's all that all the all the work stuff. It, it just kind of goes away. So you feel a higher level of energy. It just, it, it creates this wonderful sense of improvement. And so I know that there are people that whenever you say, Oh, say if you go to someone and you say, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about joining this gym, you know, and they say, Oh, well, yeah, that'd be good for you. You know, and people immediately think, Oh, wait a minute. Is, is, are, is this because I'm fat? Are you already telling me that I need to lose weight or, you know, it's, uh, and so we can kind of take that a little bit almost as, as kind of like a, a backhanded compliment if, if you're not careful. But so if, if someone were to come to me and they were to say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a program, I would get excited for them. Not because it's uh, – not because – and don't get me wrong, the health benefits are, are absolutely fantastic, and I, and I would certainly encourage that. But to be able to go through and say, man, I wish you could know what I know – at this moment, because if you stick with it and you keep working hard, eventually you're, you're going to get to that point where you're going to start to see these slow incremental improvements. And then you're going to go through and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to make sure that my bag's packed the night before. And then when you go through and you start making these changes, you see this start to ripple outward in other aspects of your life. You know, it's, so you're doing smarter things, uh, not just, you know, not just for yourself, but you're also doing it for your family and you're doing it for your relationships with other people and uh, a significant other, maybe, uh, you know, so you go through and you start making these wonderful changes and, and it, it improves your, it improves your self-confidence. It improves really just your overall life. And so if, if someone were to come to me and say, Hey, you know, I think I want to do this. I'm saying fantastic. Not because I think you need to lose weight because I want you to feel that same level of satisfaction that I get from 
pushing myself beyond my limits from going through and, and, and saying, I couldn't lift that, you know, then, but I can lift it now. And to see that incremental improvement to me, is just one of the, it's, it's one of the best feelings in the world. And, and if we could do that, I think if we could push that out to other people and say, Hey, this is the benefits that you're going to get. Uh, I, I think more people would embrace it as opposed to turning towards more negative roads in order to seek that happiness. Well, I agree with you. And uh, bodybuilding, I see it as a spiritual uh, discipline in that you're using resistance to become who you want to be. And uh, that is certainly something applicable to all areas uh, in life. Uh, Arnold, in his uh, writings, uh, goes into it a lot. And uh, I found a few motivational uh, talks by Arnold on uh, YouTube where he continues to expand about that uh, theme. Uh, a lot of people get discouraged if they try something and it doesn't work. And if they tried a few times and it didn't work, they give up. Uh, but in order to accomplish uh, something great, you have to not give up and you have to fail time and again until you're succeeding. <laughs> and that's a difficult lesson to learn. And it's also a difficult thing to convince people of. Exactly. And there is a, a wonderful book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. Um, and so it's all about, spoiler alert, uh, in his book, he discusses how ego uh, is the enemy. The ego and what he's talking about is that voice inside you that says, you're perfect just the way you are. You don't need to do this. Uh, just sit on the couch. Sit here. It's comfortable. It's warm. You're fine, man. You don't need to do all this stuff because the ego hates failure. The ego hates pain. So it's that quiet voice that whispers to you that says, no, nah, man, just hit the snooze button and, and go back to bed. Everything's fine. You can just go to work. You can skip this one day. It's, it's not going to hurt anything. And so, yeah, there, there is that abject fear of failure that I think is ingrained with every single human being. Uh, I think one of the things that we, that we hate to admit is that we don't know how to do something. We're so, and, and especially the gym is one of those areas where you do want to look like you know what you're doing. You know, you, you, know, you want to know, oh, yeah, I know how to use this machine, even if you don't. And then you get on there and you're flailing about because you, you don't have the, the settings quite right. You know, whereas if you just mm -hmm. were to go through and ask a trainer for help, you know, they're going to be more than happy to go through and, and help you out with something. And, and so it's, it is, it's that fear of looking like we don't know what we're doing or afraid we're looking like a, a fool. And, and one of the things that I just absolutely hate, and I, I know it's just, I, I don't want to sound like an old man, you know, shaking my fist at, at society, you know, but I, I hate the gym fail videos. Uh, I, you know, I hate the people that are out there recording someone who's obviously using a, a piece of equipment, you know, wrongly when they could potentially hurt themselves. Whereas it'd be, we'd all be a much better place if you'd come in and go, Hey man, you're supposed to be using this thing like this. And then just explaining, you know, Hey, I, you know, I just don't want you to get hurt. You know, uh, but again, so it's because the gym is such a, depending upon, you know, how public your gym is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of avenues there for people to be embarrassed. And, and I think that's why, I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why people don't go is because they're afraid of, of being embarrassed. There was an, right. an absolutely fabulous uh, viral uh, trend that went out there 
where there was a gentleman who was overweight, and I've said this before, but I'll reiterate it again. Uh, a, a person, you should never make fun of an obese person that's in the gym because they're no different than a homeless person at a job fair. They are right where they're exactly where they need to be. And, but they're afraid because they don't look like they belong there. And so they feel this intimidation. They feel this, uh, this apprehension. And so there was a gentleman who was, who was overweight. He was afraid that everyone was going to be staring at him whenever he was there working out. So his buddy said, I'll go with you. And he dressed in these outlandish outfits. Uh, I know he was dressed up as Winnie the Pooh one time. I mean, he just, he, he went through, he, and he wore all these crazy outfits. So that way everyone at the gym would look at him and not focus on his friend. And to me, I was like, that's, that's amazing. I mean, that's, that's a true bona fide friend right there who, who cares about you and just like, I'm going to look like an idiot. So no one else will pay attention. And, and, but then as you start to go through, you realize that everyone has the, the same self-confidence issues. Unless you look like The Rock or John Cena, everyone thinks that, you know, they, oh, I could lose a few more pounds here. You know, so um, everyone has those self-confidence issues. Everyone's afraid that they're not good enough whenever they're working out. And so as a result, they're so intently focused on themselves they don't have time to, to look at anyone else. I, I know that sounds almost kind of uh, like strange or selfish, or, but, but it's the truth. So if, if you're, you're one of these people who are very apprehensive about going into the gym, this is why I'm telling you, dude or dudette, uh, no one cares because uh, they're all right. too busy doing their own stuff. And if they are people that are going to make fun of you, uh, they're jerks to begin with in life anyway, and so you shouldn't worry about their opinion. But everyone else, I, I, it's kind of one of those things where it's not a zero-sum game. You know, it, whether or not how much you're in shape does not affect how much I can get in shape. It's not like there's this small pyramid where only a few of us can be at the top. It's a big, wide table, and there's big enough seats for everyone. And so I, I think the people that have been through it and they've seen the improvements, they're the ones most likely to reach back and, and offer a hand back and say, you know, hey, come on, have a seat at the table because uh, it's, it's pretty nice up here and we want you to share in it. Right. Very well said. Um, I, yeah, I, I could never understand why anybody would uh, minimize or attempt to minimize anybody's effort. If somebody's there making an effort, they should be applauded and encouraged because they're trying to, uh, to change something. They're trying to be uh, better than they currently uh, are. They're trying to master something. And, and again, that's to be uh, commended. Absolutely. And, but the only thing I, I would throw a slight caveat in there in that I've always, when it comes to all things, when I'm, when I'm trying to impart lessons into my kids, I will tell uh-huh. them, you know, if, if you're a B student, that's fine. Be a B student. But if you're an A student and you bring me C's, that's just laziness. It, it means you can be better. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but it's a, but for the kid that's in there and he can only curl the 15 pounds and that's his max, but he's, but he's lifting the 15 pounds, then good for him because he's playing yeah. to the maximum of his ability. And if he can do that, he's working harder than the guy who can lift 50 pounds, but he's only lifting yeah. the 30. Because to me, that's, that's a little bit of that, that laziness you know, coming in. So as long as you're given that maximum effort, 
I would applaud any person. If you if you're giving it all you got, then because you're the only person that you're competing against, you and the person you were yesterday, you're, that's the only person you're competing against. And so if you're given the maximum of your ability, then my hat's off to every single person out there that's struggling, regardless of how much weight they're lifting. I looked up ego is the enemy, and uh, it seems that uh, Ryan Holiday has written a lot of interesting books. Stillness is the key. The obstacle is the way. Those those, those titles sound, uh, you know, very exciting. I, I have also read the obstacle is the way, and just uh, uh, for for a real brief summary, um, basically it's it's Arnold's and how how good are you when we can mention a bodybuilder by one name and one name only, and everyone yeah. knows who we're talking about. Um, but so, and again, Arnold's mentality is correct. No pain, no gain. And so by going through that obstacle, the obstacle is, is the way, because it's through that obstacle that you find your greatness. If you, if we could all just go in and throw on cheat codes, uh, life would not be interesting. If you could go through and craft this perfect body with no, work and no effort to put into it. If you got it all just by liposuction and and genetics, you wouldn't appreciate the struggle that you had to go through in order to get there. And so again, it's that, yeah, it's, it's no pain, no gain. And so when you go through and and you're going through it and it hurts and it stinks and your ego's up in there and it's going, man, just come on, just go sit. Come on, let's go play a video game as opposed to doing all this. You know, it's, uh, yeah, where you have to push through, but that in turn, the struggle is what makes you great. And so that's why I hope everyone is, is finding a way to conquer through their struggle because once you get through it, and, and I know if you're down in the pit, and I've been there, you know, if you are, if you're down in the pit and life sucks, the last thing you want is someone to come along and just tell you, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. But it does, it, it will make you stronger if you let it. And if you let it, it makes you stronger, it makes you more compassionate, and it makes you more in tune to, pe- to the other people that are going through it. And so since I've been down in that pit and I've found a way to climb my way back out of it, I'm not willing to reach down and pull you out of that pit for right. you. You have, to, you have to pull yourself up out of it. But I will clap and I will stand at that edge and I will encourage you as much as I can saying, come on, you can do it. Because once you get out, yeah, once you conquer that obstacle, it makes you so much stronger and better for it. A Conan the Barbarian uh, quote, you know, from uh, originally from Nietzsche, that's which does not kill you makes you stronger. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I know it sometimes we, we hear stuff like that so much that it can almost seem almost trite uh, or or maybe it feels more like uh, fortune cookie wisdom, but it really is the thing where, yeah, if if you want to get better, that's really the only way is through a a lot of pain, a lot of hardship and and a lot of sweat. Um, I know in several uh, areas of my life over the years, uh, um, you know, I succeeded uh, more than I thought I would succeed and it always amazed me how uh, everyone um, who didn't know how long it took and how much energy and effort it took to, to get there would attribute it to luck, that somehow I got a lucky break, <laughs> and that's what happened. It's like, yeah, I got the lucky break after 15 years of uh, not having a lucky break, you know, but not giving up. So uh, right. uh, persistence is the key to, to success. 
And you can accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish, sometimes beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, but it may not happen today, tomorrow, or for a, a decade or two. You know, but if you want it badly enough and you work towards it, the day will come when it will be a reality. And I, I agree with you 100%. And I have uh, countless letters from the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics uh, telling me no thank you. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and so while I, I didn't have the, the pleasure of working for Marvel Comics, each one of those, uh, you're right in that a lot of people do want to attribute it to luck because they don't see what happens behind the scenes. They don't see right. the failures. They don't see the struggles. They don't see uh, where every single submission that I did to Marvel Comics was me beating on my craft was me. It, it was improving me as a, as a writer. And so I would go through and I would, uh, so I would send these submissions off to Marvel comics. Uh, then I'd get the letter back about three weeks later in the mail going, this is good, uh, but it's not what we're looking for right now, but keep submitting. Uh, we want to keep hearing from you. And so uh, I have those over and over again. And each one of those failures I think the importance is how you look at it, you know, because right. never once did I, did I uh, kick up and, and say, well, you know, man, I'm a really good writer. How come Marvel won't acknowledge my, you know, how good a writer I am. I, I never went in with that mentality. My mentality was uh, like they said, it wasn't what they're looking for right now. So your next stuff has to be better. So improve, find a way to get better and then just keep hammering away. And then as you go through uh, and you find that maybe not necessarily that, uh, that certain passions die out, but you find yourself with a, with a new love, and it's become that way because of all the hard work that you went through that unfortunately people don't see. It's, it's the iceberg effect, you know, where people only see that top 10% where the right. other 90% is all underneath the surface of the water. And so while unfortunately I, I didn't get a chance to work for Marvel Comics, uh, that door is not necessarily closed, but I haven't been working on it because I pivoted to my prose novel. And so mm-hmm. now with the publishing industry changed the way it has, uh, that's become really my focus for uh, well over the last year as I've been going through and, and developing this, uh, this book. And I've, tr- I've received a tremendous amount of joy from that. And so whenever that's ready to be published, which I'm, I'm hoping will be here very soon, uh, there's no telling what doors that will open. Right. So you just go through it. So it's about building that solid foundation. And so if you can go through and develop healthy habits for your body, you're going to develop healthy habits for your mind. Uh, you're going to develop healthy habits for your emotional base. And all that is laying that foundation so that when that greatness finally, after 15 years, does happen overnight, you're prepared for that success when it comes to you. Uh, most certainly so. Uh, back when I lived in New York a decade and a half or two decades ago, it must be now, um, I had a fringe uh, television show and uh, it was starting to uh, uh, be seen uh, f- further afield than uh, the greater New York metropolitan area. Uh, and I had somehow merged my eccentricities with my professional role. Uh, so uh, I used to wander New York uh, sword in hand. Uh, wearing mostly fur and leather and having uh, different adventures uh, as a crew with mini DV cams uh, recorded these adventures and put them on uh, TV. And uh, because my field was uh, workforce development and psychiatric rehabilitation, uh, and I'd been in it for a while and I'd earned a reputation, my eccentricities were uh, tolerated. Uh, 
and uh, appreciate it. So I was able to merge all this uh, together. And uh, for a while uh, on NJN, uh, which is the PBS of New Jersey, uh, they would have me on to talk about, you know, different ways of being who you want to be, because that was something I could certainly uh, teach people, because if I could be what I am and get paid for it and be a part of society and be contributing to the, you know, to the social good, uh, and I'm walking around with a sword with furs and things like that, imagine what you can do, you know, without the eccentricities and without wanting things that were just so off the wall. So that became my message. Um, that again, I, I am off the wall. I'm an eccentric individual and, and how I process and experience life and the things that I want to accomplish are likely things that uh, you don't. But if I can do this, you know, you, you can most certainly, you know, attain the things that you want to attain. And I would then share with them how uh, I would, uh, you know, how, you know, when I look for opportunities, how would I, um, you know, climb career ladders. I even taught student interns and volunteers uh, for like 16 years uh, to process the experiences they were having to move them in the direction that uh, they wanted to go for themselves and to help find, you know, what is that uh, passion. And it's not an easy process. Um, but once you know that you just have to have faith in yourself, even when things are not happening, just work on it. There's always a way to do it as a hobby. Uh, there are ways to do it by yourself until you feel confident to do it on a, a larger uh, level. And uh, just don't give up and that not don't listen to all the people that tell you you're crazy, you know, thank them for their feedback and their concern and then just keep going. And uh, man, uh, I know we're short on time. Uh, and, and you just – there's a lot to unpack with, with everything that you just presented here. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm not articulating this uh, the way that I would like. Uh, but, man, thank God for people like you. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, – man, life is too short uh, to be it bored. Is. Life is too short to be the same as everyone else. And as long as you're extremely comfortable with who you are – uh, which is, uh, and it, this is tying in so much to to what uh, just recent discussions that I've been having with my kids. So I mean, this is it's it's really hitting right there on the. I mean, the the, the tuning fork here uh, is just is just really resonating with me, and so I'm I'm having a, a difficult time uh, uh, putting my my feelings um, uh, in such a way that I'm rambling at this point, um, but. Man, this is fantastic, and um, I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you say. Uh, yes, you're right, and be you, be happy, be confident in who you are, and uh, it sounds like you are more and more, even though I know we've been doing this for two years, you keep revealing more uh, about yourself that, you know, that even I didn't know, and it, it is an absolutely fascinating story that you have, and uh, I Thank wish – that I, I wish that I was a, 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 I have no experience in interviewing anyone. Uh, so I, unfortunately, I'm not the person to do this, uh, but this is clearly something that I, I wish I, we could do that reverse interview one of these times, uh, even though I know I wouldn't be very good at it, uh, to, to, to explain more of this story. 
you're phenomenally articulate uh, and uh, you're very much in tune with who you are and what you're feeling and uh, um, your process of processing uh, life. So I'm sure you'd make an excellent interviewer. And if you want to practice one day being an interviewer, I'd be more than happy to grant you that opportunity. It's something I can do. Well, yeah, I think, I think that'd be something because uh, yeah, I mean, just the whole thing about the, the psychiatric rehabilitation and my goodness, that's fantastic. And I know the work that you do, uh, you know, with the library and with the kids and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, it just, I, I know, I don't want it to sound contrived. I don't want it to sound like I, I'm pandering or anything, but honest to goodness. Yeah. The, the world needs more people like you in it. Uh, so at the very least, because and I guarantee you, if you're on, if you're walking the streets of New York in leathers and a sword, people remember you. So at the very least, even if you're giving them this, this message, who is bringing that message to them is going to resonate with them as opposed to just your average person in a, in a regular you know, suit, and, suit and tie. Uh, they're going to remember that message all the more. And if, they, and if they carry that on with them, I'd say that's an absolutely fantastic thing. Well, thank you very much for your kind words and for your friendship and for serving an inspiration to me. As, as I've said many times uh, you know, before, your uh, graphic novels are among my favorite. And in terms of mythology, they are my favorite. Uh, so thank you for that. I'm glad that our, our conversation uh, continues. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. I will as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. And other than through uh, Facebook, are there any other ways that people can enter your universe? Really, the, the way that you promote uh, my, my page on there is, is the absolute best way. I don't do nearly enough self-promotion as much as I should. So uh, by following you, that's the absolute best way to, to follow me. Thank you. I'm greatly honored. Uh, I'm going to play a song now. And let's see, what song should I, should I play? Um, I believe. I don't think I've ever heard I believe, so we'll hear it now. Thanks again, Ryan. Uh, I wish you awesome success in all your endeavors. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Okay, be well.
and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. Today, our larger theme is Mythic Living, and we're concluding our show with Mythic Gaming. Our regular guests are Tim Espy of Level 1 Games and Zach McCatty of Shoot Again Games. And uh, today, uh, we begin a longer show that includes uh, uh, some uh, reviews. Greetings and welcome, gentlemen. How are you? Greetings. Hello. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Um, I'll start with the review, and uh, then we will proceed from there. The Heraclidae of myth were mercilessly hunted by King Eurystheus, who feared the legitimate claim to his throne. Once, he even tried to slay them all during a memorial feast held in honor of their famed father. Those who escaped raised an army and deposed the tyrant king. Later, they were driven out of Greece as their collective might was perceived as a great threat. An oracle was consulted and a prophecy granted. The exiled daughters and sons of Hercules wandered the wider world and eventually came uh, back to Greece. But first, they settled down in barbarian lands. In my childhood imagination, all the events on the Sons of Hercules television series happened during these turbulent times. Although I later discovered that clever marketing was a much greater factor in shaping the show than honoring a very obscure mythic continuity, to this day, I prefer to believe my own innocent explanation rather than sordid facts. 
In the Sons of Hercules, a board game by Milton Bradley that came out in 1966, you're one of four Sons of Hercules competing for fame and glory in an arena packed with cheering spectators. There are six epic tasks complete, and once you've triumphed in one of these contests, you win a coveted arm ring. Then aside from the feats of strength, you can challenge your brothers and half-brothers for possession of their own hard-won award rings. Two to four heroes can compete, and the winner is the first to gather four award rings. Each game takes about 15 or 20 minutes to complete. The Sons of Hercules was easy to learn and quick to play. It brought back many treasured memories and is well worth playing for nostalgic reasons alone. I've already figured out a way of integrating it into my next RPG campaign. I'd like to thank Jeffrey C. Hogue for gifting me with this treasure from Simpler Times. And thanks to the development team of the 1960s TV show, including the epic songwriter, whose true identity still remains an enigma. Whatever their motives, they deeply influenced my personal destiny. And that's my review of The Sons of Hercules by Milton Bradley. Onwards. Okay, Timothy, how are you? Great, great. How's everything been with you? Everything's been uh, fantastic. How's level one games? Staying busy. Uh, still doing our uh, our normal thing. Uh, staying busy with uh, the new uh, fairy tale set that uh, Magic the Gathering released. That was a big success for us, actually. So it was uh, it's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks. It's been good. That is awesome, and I assume people are playing uh, with these new cards in your tournaments? Oh, yeah. Yep. Every uh, Friday and Saturday. Very awesome. I'm still waiting for the ancient Greek set to come back. <laughs> and then yep, I'll try soon, getting soon. involved in magic again. And Go ahead. I'll have some... Uh, when that comes out, I'll have some cards set off to the side for you that I think you'll like. Thank you very much. I, I greatly uh, appreciate it. Has the sale of um, storybook type of uh, video games and uh, uh, fantasy role-playing games uh, also increased uh, to feed the interest in this uh, genre? Yeah, a couple of people have picked up. I mean, it's slightly different. Uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, I guess the fairy tale, right? You know, yes. so, uh, I, I sold a copy of uh, Alice in Wonderland the other day. And, uh, and yeah, some, some other ones. It is funny how there is correlation to that, you know. And there used to be a series, uh, I think it was called Once Upon a Time or Happily Ever After or something like that, uh, that dealt with, like, fairy tale uh, themes. And uh, there's a kid's show, Descendants, also. I don't know if that's still ongoing or if it uh, stopped. Uh, that deals with the, the, the same characters. And a board game uh, called Villainous uh, came out that has these mm-hmm. characters. Uh, you play as the bad guys um, and try to yep, yep. extend Yeah, we, have we have a we have a copy of that. Yep, yep. I have a personal copy, and the, and the store has a copy of that actually too. How was that to play? It's uh, it's pretty fun. We've only played it once or twice. Um, it's uh, it you know, it's it's a lot to explain because each different villain has a different win condition. Um, okay. but uh, but the, the, the times that we played it, it was it was fun. Who did you play? Who did I play? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't remember who you played. I know that uh, one of the players was King Richard from Robin Hood. 
Uh, I was Captain Hook from Peter Pan, but I can't remember who you and the other player played as. I think one of you might have been the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, it sounds right. What's funny is that you said Once Upon a Time and Happily Ever After. Those are both cards from the new Magic set, actually. Oh, really? Very cool. Yeah. I saw today we were in uh, Target, and uh, I saw the villainous games. That's how they're in my consciousness right now. And one of the sets had uh, Hades in it. So that drew my interest, and uh, I made a mental note to check it out. Yeah, yep. Yeah, the, the the board game's fun. The, the pieces are nice, like the the character pieces and the cards, and, and it's it's really good. I I, uh, I stayed away from it for just because it was Disney branded, and I wasn't sure exactly what it was. But at my uh-huh. other, other local game store that I'm friends with, he was like, "No, it's really good. You got to try it." So I ended up picking it up, and he wasn't wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna look into it then. That sounds uh, very uh, fascinating. And uh, I'd like to try it. Uh, the last game I really, 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 really got into was Talisman. And I'm glad to see that's still around. Uh, and they even made a Batman Talisman recently. Huh. Huh. Have you guys ever played that? I've never played uh, it, but I, I know my, uh, my aunt and uncle have, and my cousin loves it. I know he plays it a lot. It's a, it's a very simple, like, role-playing board game. And uh, once you learn how to play it, you can modify it, you know, uh, and make it anything you want, uh, really. And uh, you could even integrate role-playing into it because they have enough uh, stats there to, to do, like, a simple role-playing game uh, type of thing. And uh, I've had it be, like, uh, in Conan's world, in ancient Greece, in, like, a regular fantasy setting, using the same boards. And then there there were a bunch of different editions, and uh, I don't know if still, but back in the day, uh, there were websites where you could print out new cards that fans were making. So uh, there were kind of, like, endless possibilities, and you ma- you make the game whatever you wanted it to be. That sounds pretty cool. They even had Buffy and Blade, so you could make it into a vampire hunting board. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And, Zach, I'm really excited uh, that you're going to be uh, interviewing the owner of Shoot Again Games. I looked through your uh, um, the website on Amazon and also on uh, Facebook, and it seems that they have a lot of interesting uh, type of uh, games there. I like the superhero game. I like the Yeti game. Uh, what other type of games uh, uh, does the company feature? The company likes very odd themes that aren't really explored too much in board game format. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple of their games deal with conspiracy theories, cryptozoology. You mentioned the Bigfoot versus Yeti game deals with all these different cryptids across the world, and you're basically trying to prove that they're real. Okay. Uh, one of the games which I think you would enjoy is called Looting Atlantis. And so the way that the game works is Atlantis is sinking. Everyone's panicking. Everyone is fleeing. But you and a few other people realized, hey, if I go around and steal as much of our advanced technology before the island sinks, and then I go set up shops somewhere like Egypt or Greece where they don't have this technology, they'll think I'm a god. So you're going around and trying to steal as much tech as possible to then go somewhere else and set yourself up as a king, wizard, or god and 
live the easy life. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, you had explained last time about uh, the superheroes where their funding was cut and now they have to uh, compete for a, a job in like a diner. Uh, that sounds yeah. very fascinating as well. Another one that's, that's interesting and really shows the uh, the background of the owners of the company, my aunt and uncle. Uh, my aunt's main business is repairing pinball machines and arcade machines. Okay. So she loves pinball machines. She has seven of them in her basement. And uh, they made a game called Pinball Showdown, where you play as a pinball inside a machine, and you're trying to like hit certain targets. I can't remember what sites gave it awards, but in the pinball community, people went nuts over it because it plays oh, so great. strong into the theme that they said it really feels like you're inside a pinball machine. Oh, that is awesome. Does um, Shoot Again Games get involved in like uh, gaming days at libraries? I don't know if they've done anything like that. I know that they go around to a lot of unpubs and uh, Gen Con over in PA to advertise. They have a booth. They sell copies of the games. Uh, unpubs are um, events for people who are in the production of a game but haven't mm-hmm. gotten it produced yet. Uh, that's why it's unpubbed. It's unpublished. And so the idea is you're bringing it there to advertise, drum up support, so that then when you do a crowdfunding campaign, people remember you and will go and support it. I don't know if they've done any smaller scale events. I know that they've gone to some game stores to test the games out there for people, but I'm not sure if they've done it at libraries and other locations. Uh, Because they have a game day in libraries. I'm not sure when the next one is, but I think there's one uh, coming up. And uh, in the past, I've worked with different uh, companies and uh, uh, they sent over games and we played them at the uh, game day. And if the kids uh, really liked them, we continued playing them uh, past the game day. Um, And uh, Looting Atlantis and the superhero game and the Yeti game, they all sound like things the kids uh, would like, especially uh, at their age, Looting Atlantis, uh, (laughs) because When they role play, they like uh, you know appropriating uh, objects uh, that uh, yeah. <laughs> their powers or improve their situation. I know that they're big on sending out test copies of the game. They actually sent them up to Level One Games, so the store has copies of I think almost awesome. every game that they've put out. Uh, so it's definitely something that they might be interested in. We will discuss it when the time comes, and. Uh, um, now, I know, uh, Tim, that uh, you know, Level 1 Games, uh, since I've been uh, coming there, uh, has increased the amount of uh, board games that had available, and I've seen people playing the board games um, wh- when I was there on uh, several uh, occasions. Uh, which ones are the most popular uh, right now at this point in time? Um, the most popular one right now is a game called uh, Crow's Overkill, probably where it's, um, how do I describe it? PG, I guess. Um, uh, it's set in feudal Japan, and all of you are visiting your paramours, and you are trying to stay the longest with them before the birds start waking everyone up, and you'll be seen leaving their house and be shamed in public. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's very creative. Uh, is that a shooting game? game? <laughs> No, it's not a shooting game, but it would uh, it would almost fit right into their into their wheelhouse almost. 
it's a it's a card based game. There's it's just cards, um, so it's nice and simple, really easy to learn. You can pick it up in five ten minutes, and the the games go by pretty quickly. And uh, and it's it's fun like in between game where you can just play real quick and determine a winner, and then and then move on to the next one. So that's probably the most uh, popular one that we've been selling a bunch of. Um, there's another game uh, called Azul, where you're a uh, a Portuguese uh, like mosaic tiler, and you're building uh-huh. uh, the the you know the quote unquote best like wall mosaic that you can uh, without breaking tiles, and you score points based off of how you line them up and you know, your combos, if you will. Um, that's been really popular. They've released uh, two different versions of it. One is a wall mosaic tiler, and the next one is a a stained glass. It's the same idea, but slightly different uh, mechanics and stuff. Those have been selling really well. And uh, do people uh, have game nights at home as much as they did? Because I remember that was a big thing uh, for a big chunk of my life with some people. They had like a shelf or a basement area with several shelves, and on there they had tons of board games. Uh, And then on a frequent basis, they would have game night, invite some friends over, and that would be uh, something that they did. I know a lot of people in the community that still host at their own houses, but it's becoming more and more of a thing where you do it in public to try and entice other people to join the group. A lot of games nowadays will have interesting physical components. So for we have one called Tower of Madness, and the idea is it's like the old school kids game Kerplunk, where your okay. point sticks out of the tower and the marbles fall down, but it's themed around Cthulhu. So instead of just being <laughs> sticks, they're shaped like squid tentacles that are coming out of this big clock tower. So it's a very eye-catching piece. People will walk by and see it and be like, okay, I have to know. What is this game? What are you doing? So I, I know personally I'm part of a few groups that meet up at different restaurants, gaming stores like here, and host several nights a week in public where anyone can drop in and drop out. But back home, my aunt and uncle, who have been gaming for 40, 50 years, they have a group of people that they've met at stores that then once a week come over their house for three hours on a Sunday and play games together just in the privacy of their home. Oh, that is awesome because that's a a really good uh, tradition and uh, um, it gets people off the social media for a little while and has them interacting with other human beings who are trying to accomplish uh, uh, or enjoy uh, the same activity. Yeah, it's actually how I got into the hobby because uh, my aunt and uncle invited me over when I was 16 and I came over and it was very intimidating at first because all of them had been playing for decades and they all knew each other and knew their strategies. And here I was coming in, never really playing board games before. (laughs) (laughs) There was another board game that when it came out, it was uh, very uh, uh, advanced uh, for its time. Uh, it was called Dark Tower, I believe, uh, and Milton Bradley put it out. And there was a Dark Tower literally in the middle of the board, and then there were different kingdoms, uh, and you pressed your move uh, in the computer uh, that was in the Dark Tower, and then it would, like, spit out results. And then if you, uh, you know, you bought food, you bought uh, different things, and then uh, if you ran into something, the computer would run the battle. And uh, the first person to make it to the middle of the uh, board where the Dark Tower was uh, and storm the Dark Tower successfully 
uh, won the game. And like any other game, once you mastered the, the basic thing, you could add your own rules that, uh, you know, could be played. Uh, uh, like we put, I remember wandering monsters into it and all sorts of other things that weren't there uh, initially. Uh, but that was uh, for its time, that was uh, uh, quite uh uh, revolutionary, and I remember uh, we used to play that all the time with people. And then there was another game for the Odyssey 2, which was a very early video game system. And I don't remember the title of it, but it was a combination board game and video game. So you had a map, and you moved around, and there were like castles with pieces in them uh, that represented different things. And then depending on where you landed, you'd have to play the video game encounter. Uh, the bad thing about that was the good guys and the bad guys looked identical, except for like slight variations in color. So it was very hard to tell who you were. Uh, and back then, the graphics weren't uh, great at all. They were very simple uh, graphics. But the concept was really good and revolutionary. And I remember, uh, despite all this, enjoying it greatly when it first came out. Yeah, the, the Odyssey 2 was, uh, was my first console that I had. It was my father's, you know. But uh, but we, we never had any of the crazy games like that. We always just had. I always remember me and him used to play basketball all the time. Just simply titled okay. basketball. Very very simple. But um, yeah, I, the the, uh, the Dark Tower game. I think that's the name of it. I remember watching a YouTube video years ago with uh, with some people playing that, and it seemed uh, seemed pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, especially with the elaborations and. Uh, uh, I, I love uh, integrating these things into my uh, RPG campaigns when I have time to run them beyond the library. And uh, um, I, I, I always incorporate board games. And this way, if people wander off and want to do something, you know, they have the board game. <laughs> and whatever comes out of the situation, I integrate it back into the game. So I had a lot of fun uh, doing that. Zach's been working on um, talk about the, the root board game slash RPG. Okay, uh, so there's a board game that came out, I think, last year or the year before, called Root. Okay. And the idea is it takes that kind of fable element where animals behave like people, but they don't really explain, like, hey, where's the food come from, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and the idea is it's a light war game set in this forest where all these different animal people inhabit. Uh, what's unique about the game is that each faction is, is asymmetric in design. So, for instance, there's a group of cats who are trying to industrialize the forest. So they focus on putting down buildings and setting up supply lines of wood so that they can make more buildings, and that's how they get most of their points. But then there'll be another class. that They're the merchants. So they're like, oh, everyone's going to war. We're just going to go down and sell our services, and they get their points through buying and selling on the market. But then there's another player who they play almost like the player character in an RPG you'd play at home, where all they do is they don't have an army. They just wander around doing little quests and opening up little ruins on the board, assisting people, fighting against people, and slowly build up points that way. So it's a very interesting and dynamic board game. It's, it's a big hit. I would, I would say it's one of the top five favorites here, Tim, right? Yeah, absolutely. Top three, top five. But uh, what they've done recently is they just started a Kickstarter for an RPG based off of the board game with the same artists, the same developers. And uh, so I backed it immediately as soon as I saw it and got the, the quick start rules. 
Okay. So we gave you a download for a brief module that only has a few playable aspects instead of what's going to come out in the hardcover books. And uh, so I've been going through that, and I've set up the first session. It's got a very meaty, like, uh, land development and quest development system that's very helpful. So it was very quick and easy to assemble and get everything ready to go off the bat. And it made me think a lot of when we discussed, I think it was last time, about what kind of games you'd want to see be able to be compatible between, like, an RPG and a video game, because now they're doing it with this board game. And supposedly... There's elements in the full book that will allow you to use the board game battles themselves to affect the campaign and vice versa. The Modifius uh, company uh, recently did that with uh, uh, Conan. Uh, There's a company called Monolith that was making Conan uh, board games. And uh, Modifius was making Conan RPG. So they just came out with a book that allows you to go back and forth and use the, the board games as part of your RPG campaign or use RPGs to expand your uh, board game experience. Uh, so, you know, things seem to be moving in that uh, direction, and I find it a, a great thing. It seems like a really interesting step forward, and, and we're all excited to see how it plays out. We should be giving it a test run sometime within the next month or so. I definitely want to hear more about that when you do it. So we're approaching the last uh, 10 minutes of the show, so this time went very fast. Um, We might have to increase our uh, time together to an hour. I don't have an hour slot yet, but as soon as I do, (laughs) I will bring that up. But um, what can we expect in the months ahead uh, from Level 1 games? Are there any new uh, types of uh, games that you're integrating into the store uh, is anything um, other than the uh, magic set uh, for uh, Mythic Greece uh, uh, coming out that people are looking forward to? Um, what can we see uh, developing there? Uh, right now, uh, we're still focusing mainly on, you know, magic and Pokemon and, you know, normal video games and board game stuff. Uh, there's a new Pokemon set releasing. The, the pre-release is next week. Um, and... Uh, we're going to have our store championship for uh, Magic the Gathering in the next yeah month or so. It's, it's coming up. Uh, we're going to have a nice custom play mat made uh, for the champion, so it's a nice little extra thing that we decided to do. Um, yeah, that's it. The, September through November is more of a chill time for us. Uh, I, we call it the slow season, but you know it's more of just the relax before holidays and stuff. Um, so right now, like I said, it's just mainly Magic and Pokemon and always new games and, and new board games and stuff. I like to sit down on Mondays and uh, go through and talk to my distributors and see if anything new has come out. Um, so, yeah, there's always new stuff coming in. It's just uh, usually a game time decision about, about <laughs> what seems cool, and I figured I'd grab it and, and see what happens. So, so you are the arbiter of what is cool. That is amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much exactly, it's exactly right. <laughs> and beyond level one games in the store, anything new and exciting in your gaming life as a gamer? Uh, I'm playing a lot of uh, Borderlands Three for the PC with my uh, with a couple friends. The uh, the cooperative gameplay that they mm-hmm. not that they centered around it, but they the the system that they have in place for uh, Borderlands Three for cooperative play is 
you know, almost second to none. And so we've been having a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun with that. And then uh, we, me and Zach and a couple other people have a bunch of uh, RPGs coming up that Zach's going to run next week, I believe, one. And then uh, another one coming up too. Zach will have more information about that. But um, yeah, just a lot of, uh, a lot of video games and, and, and RPGs and stuff, normal stuff for me. Okay, thank you very much. And Jack, you want to elaborate more on uh, the uh, RPGs that you'll be running in the near future? Sure. So every October, I like to run a couple one-shot Halloween games where it's it's highly sally, it's high horror, it's very tense atmosphere, uh, and usually we try to like maybe play in the dark, or one time we played outside around a bonfire. <laughs> Uh, so the one we have coming up this next Monday is a system called Dread, which I've mentioned, I think, maybe yeah. the first time I was on. Uh, and so instead of dice, it uses a Jenga tower. And if the tower ever collapses, whoever made it collapse dies. So <laughs> it's very tense. And, like, you never realize just how scary Jenga can be <laughs> until you realize a character's life is, like, resting on how well you do. Um, so I have a small game set up for next Monday. We're uh, playing that instead of our usual board game night. And uh, without giving too much away, because Tim is one of the, the players, uh, <laughs> okay. we and uh, they are going to be archaeologists who recently uncovered an old Incan mining village. And uh, uh-huh. we'll see what shenanigans they get up to in that. That sounds uh, very exciting. And how about with Shoot Again Games? Any new releases you care to share? I believe they're playtesting one or two new games at the moment. I haven't been back down to see them and, and talk about this in a while, so I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think, what was it? Born to Serve only five, two or three months ago. So okay. they're still... Like trying to sell out copies of that, and I, they were going to a few cons and trying to advertise with that. But uh, I'm I'm not sure what's in the works, but they always have one or two things on the back burner because I'll come home and they'll have me play test something that they're like, yeah, you know, it's just something we've been tooling with in our free time. We don't know when it's going to be ready, but they they've had an idea and they just want to work it out. That sounds phenomenally exciting, and it, beyond uh, the things. Uh, uh, you do for shoot again games and in level one games and the other gaming stores. Uh, anything new and exciting in your gaming life? <sighs> um, video game wise, I haven't really been playing too much lately. I've been on a very big uh, reading and like RPG, like reading the rule book kind of thing kick. Uh-huh. So I've mostly been prepping for. I I was prepping Root for the past few weeks. I'm prepping Dread for next Monday. We've got another game of Dread early November probably. There's another game called Ten Candles that I'm trying to prep for, trying to see if we can swing that. So it's been, this is my busy season because Halloween is when <laughs> I usually go go ham and do like three or four games all in the space of a couple of weeks. That That is incredibly awesome. And uh, how can folks uh, get in touch with or uh, locate uh, uh, Shoot Again Games so they can explore uh, what's there? Um, I don't know if they have a website set up they pro- i think they do on the owner's facebook page uh so nick and diane sour who you can find through me on facebook uh my aunt and uncle are the ones who own and manage the business it's mostly diane's child um so they'll have links to everything that they can sell you can contact them if 
you're perhaps a game store looking for copies to test out to people. Um, and as far as me, I basically just have Facebook at the moment. I don't really have too much of an online presence. Um, that that will uh, change, I'm sure. Um, and uh, <laughs> Tim, how can folks uh, contact uh, and explore Level 1 Games? Um, best way, uh, the most up-to-date stuff is always Facebook or Instagram, and it's just uh, Level 1 Games. Uh, whenever we get new product or new-to-us product, whether it be you know pre-owned games or consoles or anything cool, um, I usually throw, or I always throw the pictures up on uh on our Facebook and Instagram. And then we also have, you know, level1games.com, which is just the central hub that you can find everything at. And uh, you send a message to us on Facebook 99% of the time, I'll I'll be the one answering. So if there's any questions, uh, more more than happy to answer. If there's a certain product that people want, I can see if I can try to get it or, or independent people like, uh, like shoot again. Um, If they have some copies, you know, I'm more than willing to, uh, to uh, you know, talk and get some get some uh, models on the floor and and play some cool games. Uh, incredibly awesome, and we have a couple of minutes. Uh, we have a passion for gaming that uh, we share. Uh, for folks who don't know too much about uh, gaming, um, how would you um, basically encourage them to to explore and to experiment? What I usually go to is this is an experience where you can sit down, put yourself on the shelf, and try being someone or something else for a brief period of time. It's a way to relax and step away from the things that are bothering you and worry about who's going to get the next resource or what do I need to roll in order to kill this next enemy. So it's a nice way to escape the problems that you're facing at the moment and collaborate with other people to create something new and interesting. Very well said. And Tim? Yeah, the, I use video games to, to, you know, escape and to get away and, or just to, uh, you know, it's a good social thing where um, a, a good example is uh, one of our D&D groups. Um, a bunch of the people, you know, were more shy and, and timid, and once they – sit down in the chair and they kind of just relax for a little bit. You can see that they turn into a totally different person. And, and it's, uh, and, it, and it's really fun just to, you know, sit down and, and pretend for a little bit, you know, it's, it doesn't matter how old you are or whatever, you know, it's always good to, to pretend and get your, get your mind going a little bit. Uh, very well said too. So uh, I'm sold. <laughs> Hopefully we'll uh, <laughs> find some more people as we continue our journey. Thank you very much again for uh, being guests. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to both of you in two weeks. Um, until then, thanks to our audience for listening, and uh, we wish you all joyous journeys and amazing adventures. And my board is not working very well. Let's see if we can get the closing song. Here it is. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.